Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hi, welcome to The Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. I'm Jeff Jowdy, your host for today's discussion with Mark Witt. We're going to talk with Mark about his outstanding new book, PR Lessons Learned Along the Way. Mark, welcome to the Beacon Podcast. Jeff, thank you. It's great being with you and being a part of your show today. We are honored. And for our listeners, before I share about Mark's background, I will share that Mark is a great friend and one of the colleagues I hold in the highest regard in the advancement world across the country. So we are just delighted to have Mark with us. Mark is the Director of Media and Strategic Relations at the University of Kentucky's Office of Public Relations and Strategic Communications. He also serves as an instructor in the university's Department of Integrated Strategic Communication. His nearly 35 years long career in higher education has allowed him to receive over 40 honors, including back-to-back Case Silver Medal Awards for Total Institutional Relations Programs, the James C. Bowling Excellence in Public Relations Award, Eastern Kentucky University's Distinguished Alumnus Award, and the Eastern Kentucky University Golden Apple Award for Teaching. Mark has been named one of the top 100 public relations influencers on Twitter, Mark's also a trumpet player and performs with and is a founding member of the Madison Community Band. And I've had the pleasure of seeing and hearing you perform. So that would be a treat indeed. But Mark, welcome again to the Beacon Podcast. Oh, Jeff, it is great. Thank you for the invitation to come on today. Well, I am really excited about your book, PR Lessons Learned Along the Way, and every chapter is just full of insight that someone can implement from day one, and I just love the way that you've interspersed some great PR wisdom, but it's life wisdom. It's no matter what you're doing in life, that these quotes that you have interspersing the chapters are just priceless. And so what a great treat for our listeners to pick up a copy of PR Lessons Learned Along the Way. Well, thank you. This has been a project of love and it's been a lot of fun. I've worked on it off and on for the past six years and would write a little bit, put it off and come back to it. And finally, I think my publisher about a year and a half ago said, all right, let's get serious and get this thing done. So for like the last year and a half, I got really serious about it. And it's been a lot of fun. It's allowing me to share with a lot of folks like you and those who are joining us today, just the joy of the work that we have, not only in public relations, but in all aspects of advancement, fundraising, alumni relations, marketing, all of it. And it truly is a joy to be in a position where we can serve others. We, we talked about these life lessons that you learn from many mentors and that you share. And one lesson that you cite is becoming a sponge and allowing yourself to absorb the organization's culture, traditions, and values, and then respecting and honoring them. And we just love your thoughts on how that very insightful lesson would apply to fundraising. Well, I'll tell you, Jeff, this goes back to a day when I'm actually having a moment of confession here to you. When I was a very young, green as a gourd public relations officer, and like all of us, when we get into this work, we have a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm and eagerness to get into the work and get out of the gate as quickly as possible. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. But the very first position that I had when I was serving as director of public relations for a private church-related college, I was given instruction, kind of the big picture from the president and the vice president as to what they needed for me to do. And boy, I mean, I was ready to go running. And so I remember, I think I'd been on the job for maybe a week or two, and I already had a complete plan of action of what I was going to get achieved, not only for that year, but I think for the next couple of years. And the plan was beautiful. It it was one of those pretty plans and probably would have done well had I presented that when I was working on my master's degree. But the ultimate problem was that I knew very little about the culture of the institution that I was now serving. I had an elderly gentleman at the time who was retired, but had long been in this work. And I love the soft mentoring word of philosophy he gave me, Jeff. He said, Mark, controlled eagerness, son, controlled eagerness. And I thought about that long and hard. (laughs) And, you know, I was admonished to do the job, but do it in a way that there is controlled eagerness. I kind of equate this point, Jeff, to marriage. So for those of us who are married or perhaps those who are listening today and they're contemplating marriage, in many ways, this is the same thing that we're talking about here today. Few of us, I think, would ever say that we propose to the individual we married on our first date. And that sounds crazy, doesn't it? It sounds crazy. None of us would ever do that. Although my maternal grandfather proposed marriage after the third date. So that maybe is a rare type situation, but it is true. None of us propose marriage on the first date. Why? Because we need to fully understand the individual. And much is what I'm talking about here in the book is we need to take time to listen. We need to take time to observe. Then listen even more. Seek counsel from influencers. Listen more and then act. And I guess you're picking up the theme there of listening. Listening is such an important aspect of our work. And all of us enjoy talking. We enjoy hearing ourselves at times, maybe a little too much. But yet, how much more we can learn when we listen and then observe. And to become a sponge of understanding what our organization or what our institution is all about. And boy, you know, we can gather so much knowledge and information from that. And then when we have that, we begin collecting that, then we can begin executing in a real effective way for the institutional organization we represent. That is such great wisdom, and I'm reminded that strategy is so important, and without that listening, you have no strategy. You have a template that might have been used somewhere else, but it doesn't work in the third place or the second place. That's exactly right. We have to become a trusted dance partner, so there's a lot of rhythm to this, and being a musician, as you noted, when your dad is a high school band director, you just have to use a lot of musical terms, so I often laugh. Everyone in my family plays an instrument. And I, and I note that in the book, and I said, it's the best way that we've kept harmony all these years. Oh, I love it. I know, that's a bad one. <laughs> no, I love it. And this really leads into our next question, because 
you talk about the importance of storytelling and how you need to adjust philanthropic marketing when reaching alumni, donors, and parents. And, and again, I think this is just right in line with what you just shared. So how should the messaging for philanthropy be adjusted in a way that really connects with the audience? Oh, this is such a critical point. And that's one of the reasons I spend quite a bit of time in this book talking about that. When you think about it, Jeff, uh, since 1946 here in our country for so many years, we basically had one big group of people commonly known as baby boomers. And in so much of the communication that we had, whether it's in public relations, donor communications, alumni work, communication that we use in publications, whether it be print or digital, we just got so used to, and rightfully so, of crafting our messaging to that baby boomer audience. But times have changed. I mean, now today we still have those baby boomers, but guess what? We now have Gen Xers, those who were born between the years of uh, 1966 and 1976. We have millennials and we have the Gen Yers and each of them communicates differently. I was thinking about this point back when I was attending a whole lot of rock concerts. I remember my all-time favorite band is Chicago. The next concert I go to to see them will be number 26. So, uh, yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of the band Chicago. Well, I remember when I was getting ready to go to my very first Chicago concert, and I made the comment to my mom. Of course, this has been many, many, many years ago. But I remember making the comment to her that my brother and I and a group of our buddies were going to go to a concert. Well, I knew exactly what I was talking about. I knew that the concert in my mind was going to hear this great band, Chicago. In her mind, the word concert meant maybe going to something that was a whole lot more formal. And so we were talking about two different things, although we were using the same word. And so in our line of work, we've got to understand, and it takes time, it takes time, but communicating effectively to our donors should take time. We should take the time to be mindful of how they see the world, their traditions, their values, their beliefs, and then craft our messaging accordingly to that. So very, very important aspect. Well, you mentioned the storytelling and one of the things that this strikes me, and I know you're a master at, is organizations that don't have someone like you that, that know the difference between marketing and, and advancement communication, and it's all about the organization and they're trying to push out information you know, we find that a real challenge. There's a big difference between sales and fundraising. Oh, most certainly. And the time that it takes to plant those seeds, and that's true too, you know, even in, in media relations work, for you to be able to capture the big story with one of the big media organizations like the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, you know, any others, it takes time to cultivate those relationships. And same deal with fundraising. It's not an overnight situation. Here again, going back to what we were talking about a minute ago about you can't propose marriage on the first date. It's the same thing with the media relations and and with fundraising takes a lot of cultivation takes a lot of time takes a lot of time to understand the other's interest and realize that 
it's really not about us. It's about the desires of their heart and how we can be the catalyst that will bring that to fruition for them. Amen. Amen. And how about Mark in closing? Is there one or two lessons that you hope that every reader takes away from reading your book? Well, there are, Jeff. Actually, three come to mind. You know, PR people are always going <laughs> to stretch for the extra one, but there are three. I do spend quite a bit of time in the book, and I think that they are important ones for us to consider in, in our work today, whether you are a fundraiser or you're handling the public relations aspect uh, for your nonprofit or for your college or university. One is, and it is number one, first we must become better listeners. We can become better communicators, plain and simple, when we listen and learn how to listen very well. The second is that I'm a firm believer that when we learn and act on the principles of servant leadership, we put the focus of genuine service of serving others as a priority. So our work is about service and serving others. And so that's a second point that I stress in the book. And the last that I would suggest, Jeff, is that, you know, our world naturally expects excellence. I teach a class at the University of Kentucky in the Department of Integrated Strategic Communication, and I tell my students this all the time. I said, you know, how how many times have you wanted to go to, say, a burger joint, and you pass by and you say, oh, man, let's go in there. They have like a second-rate hamburger. It's just wonderful. You know, there's very little meat, and the tomatoes are usually rotten. Yeah, let's go in there. Well, of course not. We automatically expect excellence whenever we step into some place. However, when we deliver exceptional service, when we go above and beyond the call of duty by providing little details beyond the excellent level, these individuals are going to remember that. They're going to tell others, and they will always come back as loyal, enthusiastic supporters. So those are three key aspects that I try to bring out in the book. Well, Mark, thank you so much. I know for our listeners, you can get a sense for why I hold Mark in such high esteem, and we're just delighted for you to share your wisdom, and we're going to plan on having you back as a guest, if you don't mind. Love it, Jeff. Anytime, anytime. And for our listeners, be sure and get your copy of PR Lessons Learned Along the Way, and it's available on Amazon, and be sure that you're following Mark on Twitter, and it's at M-A-R-C-W-H-I-T-T. Mark, but you also have a Twitter site or Facebook for the book, is that correct? Yeah, the Twitter account is simply at PR Lessons, and would love to have members of your audience listening today follow and be great. Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you again. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to the Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. Thanks for listening to the Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews. Suggest future topics and learn more about upcoming podcast and guest at lighthousecouncil.com.